Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We are fascinated uh, by what is going on in the world today and all its many splendors. I would say uh, this is a time unlike any we've ever been through before. We have our problems, such as always been the case, but there are some wild, good, fun, optimistic, future-oriented things happening. And somebody who understands this, I believe, about as well as anybody on this planet is my good friend, highly successful podcaster, author, newsletter guy, and all-around terrific person, Chris Lockhead. Welcome, my friend. Dr. Evans, always good to be with you. Great to see you. Yeah, I hope I read that right, because you had sent me that list, your bio list, and it was in that order, right? Did I get that right? I didn't give a shit. <laughs> My mother thinks it's nice, but uh, I, 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 one of the reasons I love you is you're over yourself, you know? And look, yes, it's we all have our wonderful accomplishments, and it's nice in an intro, and, and I'm proud of myself, and I'm proud of you, and all that stuff, and and but... The people I like to hang out with are, are not very impressed with themselves and are much more focused on trying to do things in the world. So thank you. And I don't give a shit what order you say it in. And you don't even have to say any of it. Of course. No, no, no. Of course. I think the thing that's so fun with you, Chris, is you're one of the things you're always most proud of. Is the guy, I think it was the economist who described you as can be somewhat off-putting. Yes, it's one of my favorite compliments of all time. It's on my website, and the official <laughs> quote is off-putting to some. <laughs> and uh, I think, really, uh, you, you can put it on my gravestone. <laughs> Chris, because of the, uh, the vicissitudes of time and space, we just have a short conversation lined up for today. You got some really cool insights yeah. on everything from some a new sort of breed of AI startups. Um, yeah. What's on your mind with that? So, you know, there's a lot of talk about the sort of big, big, big AI startups, the open AIs and, and the like, and the massive investment that the big tech guys are, are you know, connecting cloud and AI to, a lot of stuff that you've been writing and talking about. And some of those require massive investments, uh, much larger than typical VC investments, particularly those who are building large language models and, and the like. What has gotten less attention, which is sort of interesting, is the people building applications with these things. Yeah. And so let me share you a, a story I just uh, had uh, not that long ago. I was talking to an entrepreneur and um, and he was telling me how they came up with their business, software entrepreneur. And this is what they did. So it's enterprise software. And I probably shouldn't say the domain, but I'll say, I'll, I'll use an adjacent domain so that the, so we'll get out of the theoretical. So imagine going to ChatGPT and asking ChatGPT about, let's say, HR applications and maybe some specific kind of HR application. Um, um, and then saying, so you, you pick the, let's say it's, I don't know, uh, one that you and I might know, um, performance appraisals. Yep. And imagine going through a series of prompts. What do you know about HR software? Uh, do you know anything about performance appraisal software applications? What, what, what kind of functionality do they have? And on and on and on. And then you get to a place where you say, um, what are the complaints people have about these kinds of applications? And then you say, well, and is anybody to the best of your knowledge working on solving those, et cetera, et cetera. And all sorts of questions in this 
regard. And here's where it ultimately gets to. Not only do you co-create the business plan, the category development plan, the marketing plan with the AI, the AI is helping you uncover unmet needs, problems that exist that heretofore have not been solved. Uh -huh. And so they're helping you find new categories of opportunity in this example I'm giving of HR software. Then here's the next part. Write me an application that solves that problem and delivers that functionality. Now it's not quite that simple. Uh -huh. It's more involved. But imagine sitting on a conversation like we're doing right now, where an entrepreneur is walking you through what I just sort of glossed over quickly to make the point. And that's how they've started their business. Uh -huh. Now, here's the wild thing about that. A startup that used to take $25 million in three years to get up and running and really going. We're seeing that happen now. And I'm going to tell you a specific in a sec. We're seeing that happen now in one year with 150 grand. <laughs> and instead of having 30, 40, 50 people, three people, mm -hmm. four people, six people. And so, and yes, there's certain parts of AI that are still going to require a ton of people and a ton of capital and a ton of compute. But the interesting thing about AI that hardly anybody's talking about is the other side of the barbell, if you will, the innovation barbell. And this is the new startup. And you know what? It's the new way S&P 500 companies are going to innovate. Uh -huh. Imagine you're the head of IT for a major corporation. Well, you can do these kinds of things and you can connect it to internal data. You could take a Qualtrics, for example, and you could get a lot of feedback from people. There's a lot of uh, ways to monitor uh, user experience and user engagement. There's a lot of data that we now have around what our users inside a corporation do and don't do and where they fall down and where they're successful and the like. All that is stuff that ultimately could end up in AI. Yeah. So for people building custom apps inside major corporations, the same thing's true with any business idea. Imagine you're the head of marketing for a major S&P 500 company, and you're looking at maybe launching a new category of product or service. My point is, not only can AI help to identify the opportunities, codify them with some real clarity, you can, and I'm, it's not quite there, but yeah. stay with me, press a button and get the code. So, that was sort of to understand that we are right there now was a very eye-opening thing for me. And I think it's a whole new way of thinking about uh, business opportunities, solving problems for customers, solving problems for users. Um, so I, I hope that can kind of percolate in people's heads. And, and my hope is that um, 2024 is really the year where people get sparked up about this and really engage in it and realize that, ChatGPT is not just about, uh, you know, can you can you get it to write you a, a, a paper for your exam or whatever? Mm -hmm. Chris, can I ask you to go into a little more detail about this one thing that you mentioned a few minutes ago about the co-creation aspect? Because I think that's one of the most powerful new trends coming up today. 
<clears throat> and then you pulled in this notion of this is how big corporations can really get in on this, that right? Because I think there's a point now where everybody's interested, all business people are interested in that, but what should I be interested in to get things going, to be able to build up some sort of sustainable differentiation and, and value here? So how will these new uh, tiny AI startups that you described so well, you know, this, this breakthrough sort of organization do this co-creation with a big pharmaceutical company? So uh, I think it centers around um, the identification of a big, new, important problem or an existing problem viewed in a radically different way, uh, primarily enabled by technology. Uh, and of course, I would put AI at the center of the conversation with the cloud, of course, is the key enabler. And so the question is, if 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 you want to innovate and you're at an S&P 500 company, um, working with a small company or even hiring a few very innovative people, which I want to tell you a story about in a sec, um, might be the path. And maybe maybe let's go straight there, can we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am an advisor and investor to this company. So I'm going to tell you a story about a company I'm involved with called De Skills. D Skills, as in, hey, do you have De Skills? Mm -hmm. And D be also double entendre, meaning digital. And the founder of this company, her name is Hannah Grady-Williams. And I met her on my podcast. She's 25 years old. And um, I've come together with legendary East Coast VC, Ted Dintersmith, to work with Hannah on this. Ted was the founder of Charles River Ventures on the East Coast in Boston. And, um, and I think I can speak for Ted uh, that Hannah is as impressive a 25-year-old entrepreneur as he's ever seen and certainly I've ever seen. Okay. So what is she doing? Here's the aha. Um, she was working in the education space and we had begun to uh, kind of fund her in that way because she had some po very powerful ideas for how to educate in a new way. And it's a huge passion for both Ted and I. Ted wrote an amazing book called What School Could Be. And he's very learned in this regard, has done incredible research. Anyway, <clears throat> then G GPT came along. And we, Hannah decided to triple down on GPT. Here's the business today. The minute our education system said we're going to ban chat GPT, Hannah said, what, 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 what? <laughs> yeah. You know, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> so here's the skills today. The company provides its primary offering is a 10-week training program called Impact 10 for high school students, typically. Sometimes ki kids in their early 20s. I have a 22-year-old who's uh, starting next week, so I'm very excited about that. Great. Uh, and here's what happens in Impact 10. You get partnered up, I believe it's three people, three young people, and in 10 weeks, your mission is to create a valuable piece of technology, software, that solves a real problem for a clear targeted customer, typically small local businesses, mm -hmm. uh, because you can walk in the front door and say, can I help you with this? Right. Um, uh, if that's what you want to do, you can certainly Instagram them, but they're accessible to younger people and they might be, they might consider hiring a, a superstar 15 year old. Uh -huh. So pick a application or focus area often for small business, but not necessarily 
And in 10 weeks, you have to deliver that technology and produce revenue. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? They do it. And I just had the, the two gals that won the first ever kind of super ding dong to skills prize. Uh, I believe uh, the younger one was 14 when the program started and is 15 now. And the older one, I believe, was 17 and is 18 now. They had a third partner, but for whatever reason, I don't know, but dropped out. So it's the two of them. One of them focused on the technology and code, had never coded before. No coding back. We took one course, but didn't do anything. And I believe that was the older one, but I might be getting it wrong anyway. And then the other one focused on the marketing. And here's what they did. They built a Chrome extension for students to help them schedule and manage their homework workload mm -hmm. easily and effectively. And they wanted to make it free because they wanted as many of their you know, fellow students to be able to access this technology and use it for free. But they knew they had to produce a revenue, uh, uh, revenue producing business. So the marketing oriented gal said, okay, why don't we set up an Etsy store? <laughs> and they made a really cool logo for their company. And guess what? They sell, you know, tchotchkes and shit on the store. So you can buy a, a pencil uh, case and a this and a that and, an, and a water bottle. I don't know what with the logo of the company or the, the product name. And they're off to the races. And I asked Hannah recently, Bob, I said, um, tell me about the experience of the parents and she put it more nicely than this, but basically what happens for the parents is they give the skills a kid who's a good kid, but who's an average good kid, not a wicked programmer, not somebody who's been an entrepreneur since the time they were two years old selling right. lemonade, you know, the minute they popped out. And no, no, just a good kid, generically smart, motivated, but not more than normal, but you know, not a horrible kid, but not a genius motivated super, you know, 1% kid either, a good kid. And they say, I do not recognize my child. <laughs> wow. Wow. But in a good I didn't know they could do this. The other big learning high being he loves talking about this stuff. <laughs> good boy, buddy. Can you hear him purring? Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear that? Okay, now don't eat the microphone, okay, buddy? Um, and here's the other amazing thing that I think certainly knocked Ted and I over. Hi, buddy. <laughs> um, catching the vibe here, Chris. They require very little supervision or training. Mm -hmm. Hannah meets with them, kind of sets the parameter, gives them a set of things to help, da-da-da, sets them up. But after that initial session, she leaves them alone for two weeks. And the first check-in is two weeks in. And if you'd asked me, I would have said, well, that's a bad idea, Hannah. But Hannah didn't ask me, which is awesome. <laughs> and I think Ted might have said the same thing, and he did. she didn't ask him yeah. either. <laughs> yeah. And they go and they get it done. And so with a... a a relative small amount of coaching point in the right direction, some templates, some, you know, th there's some intellectual capital, some creative things that, that the skills obviously brings. And they create a cohort 
training. So there's a group of kids doing this together. There's your partners on your initiative, but you're part of a broader group and they share and they, they, they message and they do all these things. And so, and there's kind of a very supportive thing. These cohort style trainings in the digital world are amazing. Of course, it's all digital. So you have young people from all over the place taking these programs. Anyway, my point is the following. I have not, I could never have understood, let me say it this way, the power of this technology with the right kind of direction and coaching mm-hmm. and a generically motivated, interested young person. And in 10 weeks, they get skills and they quote unquote graduate with what, what Hannah calls an impact portfolio. Uh-huh. Okay, so now we've talked about the tragedy that's going on in the American education system. We've talked about the fact that the uh, that right-wing bastion, Bob, the New York Times, yes. uh, exposed Yale. Uh, more than 80% of students at Yale get, a, get an A. So the value of a classic education is has been shrinking for quite some time. And at the same time, the education system has been failing us they also banned ai mm-hmm. and what these kids have been taught and we're going to drop a podcast the kids talk about this they were taught ai equal bad ai equal you're in trouble well now ai equal holy shit i build revenue producing business and here's what i think it means for uh all companies of all sizes once you understand what i just shared with you if you can come up with a reliable way, and I'm biased, I think the skills is is one of the most, but with whatever way you want to come up with to vet young people, it's shocking what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing with Hannah. Hannah is what she's teaching. <laughs> Jeez Louise. So Hannah has received... She's been working on this for uh, barely a year, and she's received, I think, 150000 maybe 250000 somewhere in there in, in VC from friends and family, including Ted and I. And she has produced this business using AI. Uh-huh. So she's doing in real time what she's teaching them to do, uh-huh. and and I don't want to put exact words in in Ted's mouth. He has much more experience in the VC world, obviously. But I think, but what both of us are remarking at is, huh, if you can give, in the case of Hannah, a 25-year-old entrepreneur, plus or minus a quarter of a million dollars, she's capable in the AI space with ChatGPT and some other things. She's able to produce a breakthrough business and now her mission is she wants to train a million young people <laughs> to create a revenue-producing business in 10 weeks or less using AI. So I think when you when you zoom all of this, when you zoom out on all of this, the aha for me, I'm very excited to be involved with Hannah and the skills and all that. But if you go all the way out, you go, wait a minute. This changes everything for everybody. Yeah. And if I'm the CTO, CIO of an S&P 500 company, I think I'm starting to create 
a recruiting pipeline of very young people. Mm -hmm. And maybe I go deeper and deeper in the education system. And, um, you know, I know laws are whatever they are around who can work at whatever ages. And I'm not talking about child exploitation. But what I am saying here is if you can get whatever the law says in your state, 16, 17 year olds mm -hmm. working on creative projects with the right kind of frameworks and the right kind of direction, which it turns out is they have to be great frameworks and great direction, but not the level of supervision I ever would have thought. It's the opposite of helicopter parenting and, and, and teaching. Right. And it's creating an environment. They can produce innovation in 10 weeks. That'll knock your socks off. And so I think this is a big chunk of the future of education. I think this is a big part of the future of how new software and technologies are going to get developed mm -hmm. and younger and younger people can do it. And with fewer and fewer resources, and so when you can have three to five young people produce an incredible business, in the case of Hannah and her co-founders, in a year that has a real shot now at training a million people in something that's radically needed at the exact time our education system turned their backs on them, this is an incredible thing for all of us to think about. And I think we need to get experimenting with it now. Chris, can I ask as we start to pull things to a close here on this, one of the areas, and I, I got your point before about, you know, uh, let's not pat ourselves on the back too much, but um, you have established a quite uh, remarkable record in category design. Would you have even a rough notion of how to describe this new phenomenon? So it's a great question. I think we're learning how to talk about it as we're creating slash discovering, right? Something new is always an act of part creation and part pure and part discovery. Uh -huh. um, you know, right now I would just say kind of uh, AI enabled startups or an AI enabled innovation, which is insufficient and, and not accurate enough. So I think as the models for how to drive this kind of innovation get clearer, the languaging, that is to say, the kind of new language we want to use to delineate it from the past will start to emerge. But what I will say is that companies today have an unbelievable opportunity to produce exponential new categories and technologies by using these sorts of approaches. And you can go way young. Mm -hmm. And Native digitals, people who've grown up as digital first people, they think completely differently. And I think if you're a native analog, that is to say 40, 45 and older, and you're not immersing yourself with native digitals, um, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Mm -hmm. Because I, I know I can speak for Ted. Ted and I learn as much, if not more, from Hannah than she does from us. Mm -hmm. And it's great to have a super amazing, young, high potential person going for it, being creative, being innovative, and a couple of been there, done that guys. And we know um, things she doesn't and vice versa. And she's learned when to listen to us and when to mostly not listen to us. <laughs> um, and most of what we do, frankly, is just keep telling her she can do it. Yeah. You know, when I talk to her, I say to her, listen, Hannah, I can't wait 
till you, me, Ted, and your team are standing there at the NYSE and you're hitting the opening bell on the day the skills goes public. And she goes, what are you talking about? And I keep explaining. There is no difference between you and the thousands who've come before you who've done that. You have everything and more than many of them had. And so I think this is another thing with our young people, which is um, we can all believe in ourselves. And the truth is, if we get real open about it, when all of us have taken some kind of a big risk, it took, in many cases, somebody encouraging and somebody pointing out a way that maybe we didn't understand or think or et cetera. So I, I don't know that Hannah ever thought that she could be like the Google founders or like the Cisco founders or the Oracle founders or the Amazon or any other mate. And Ted and I have been uh, educating her that she's absolutely doing that. And every time she has a success, we say, see, told you. Uh, and she builds uh, on the success. So I think, I think what this is telling us is um, as our education system in many ways is failing, particularly in producing entrepreneurial, AI-oriented, super highly creative people. And by the way, the kids are playing with this stuff anyway. You can ban it all you want, you dumbasses, <laughs> right? It's like you, you can film Elvis without the pelvis, but everybody knows he's dancing. Come on, right? So it's stupid. Um, and, and when you do the exact opposite, freaking miracles happen. Parents go, I, I didn't know my kid had this in me. Mm-hmm. And and we can create a whole new level of innovation and a whole new level of value. Um, and listen, we all understand. Putin said it a long time ago. The company that wins in AI wins. Or, excuse me, the country that wins in AI wins it all. And that country needs to be the United States of America. And that that needs to be Western businesses. And what I've learned in the last year is that when you have legendary young people focused on this stuff with the right level of encouragement and the right level of get out of their fucking way and let them do it. Wowie, we wow. Anything's possible. And so I, I think if I was a CTO, a CIO, a startup founder, um, an executive of any kind, if I was an operating executive today, if I was a CMO, like I used to be, I'd be looking into how do we create a hiring program for young people who either exhibited some of these skills or uh, have whatever criteria we think that suggests that maybe they have this potential. Fantastic. Well, Chris, what an uplifting and optimistic idea. It, it seems to be one truly good for everybody, the young people, the big companies they might partner with. Love the story there about Hannah and, you know, this, the new way that learning goes in different directions from the been there, done that to the young people. Very inspiring, my friend. I hope the next time we have a chance to get together, we could hear a little more about this and your further thoughts on it, because I agree with you. It sounds like this is going to be a big trend that touches lots and lots of things. Yes, sir. Very, very excited heading into 2024 about these ideas. All right. And enjoyed seeing Bean there, the affection he has for you. You're a lovable <laughs> guy and Bean proves it for you. Christopher, uh, thanks so much. Great to thanks, see you. Thanks, Bob. We'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. All right. Thank you, Chris. Folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Christopher Lockhead sharing some interesting views. We'll do more of this next time we get together and talk. Thanks so much.